Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is Dr. Megan Ranney. Megan is a professor of emergency medicine and academic dean of the School of Public Health at Brown University. She's also one of the most important physician voices around multiple public communication platforms. And this is a return visit to the podcast for Megan. I think this is her third trip on the show, which is totally awesome. She joins us to kind of bring this bizarre and turbulent year to a close. We're going to work through some stuff in this episode and in the episodes to come as we wrap up 2021. Talking with Megan is really, really special. She is truly extraordinary. We talk about pragmatic optimism, toxic positivity, and how we're supporting our colleagues as we go through something that is just really, really hard. Talking about that difficulty with someone like Megan is just really, really special. And I think you're going to really enjoy this. Please do check out the whole archive of Explore the Space podcast at www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can find Megan's previous appearances there as well. You can find Explore the Space podcast on all of your usual podcast platforms. Please do leave us that five-star rating and review and definitely subscribe. All of those things really do help out the show. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. You can hit me on Twitter at ETS Show, Instagram at Explore the Space Show. All right, so all that said, you're going to really enjoy this. Let's get to it. Dr. Megan Ranney. Megan, welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I am so happy to see you and to have you back. I am so thrilled to be here, Mark. It is a treat and an honor. What a blast. We get to start wrapping up. A lot of adjectives would apply to 2021, but turbulent would leap to mind. How about for you? What would be a word association for 2021? I like turbulent. Yeah. Uh, I would say seesaw. I like it. I hate seesaws. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually, even when I was a kid, I was always afraid I was going to fall off or go flying. So I like it. Good. Turbulent and seesaw. We'll let the crowd decide which ones resonate for them, too. Lots of places we could start. Obviously, we're still in the midst of things, and it just feels like we have these demarcations of a new year that I don't know how much they really mean in the setting of real life. I want to start with um, a a 24-hour Megan Ranney arc. I've been thinking about this because I have just delighted in seeing you become really a leading physician voice in the United States and around the world, and I'm not saying that hyperbolically that's a fact and it's extraordinary but i i can only begin to imagine the demands as a professor of emergency medicine teaching faculty parent spouse all of these different things so here's my question having said all that what is the end of a day like 
how how does a day wrap up? How does Wednesday night kind of wrap up? So it wraps up with trying to get my two children to actually turn their lights off and go to bed. Fair enough. Far later than they should. (laughs) And then my taking 20 minutes to myself in bed, theoretically reading something that's not on a screen, but honestly, I always end up tweeting. (laughs) (laughs) And then my husband will come to bed and find me asleep with my phone uh, sitting on the covers. (laughs) <laughs> um oh. that that would be the end of my day to be I completely that, honest <laughs> that's like the 99 i'm in that percentile my son goes to bed pretty early like he's he's asleep by about 7 15 7 30 oh, so i know i know i mean he wakes up pretty early <laughs> he came in the other morning um i was just waking up because the dog started to move but he just took a pointer finger and just poked me in the ribs that's how he woke me up. Oh my gosh, I almost hit the roof. I um, uh, every once in a while, my little guy who's just turned ten will come in in the middle of the night after a nightmare and be like, "Mom, mom," and it is you just wake up and you're. I, I always have that what? that feeling of when you're on call and your pager totally. goes off. Oh, it's the same totally. that startle reflex. Like, who needs me? I don't think <laughs> anybody can go from sleep to like not just awake, but like ready to deploy all function more than an on call physician. I think we're really good at it. We have trained our bodies to move yeah. from that like deep sleep yeah. to managing a code and <laughs> in the blink of an eye. And it's sort of an interesting analogy hearing you say it like that. Like that's really kind of what happened, I guess, has it been what, 18 months now? And we're 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 still running the code. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that breath was telling. That exhalation of yours was telling. This has been hard. It has been. And I feel like the hardest part, honestly, Mark, is that we keep thinking we're about to come out of it and then we don't. And I I think it is that continual sense of disappointment. And that is that is the most difficult. I I found myself sometimes thinking of the words of both. This is going to sound horrible, but of like John McCain and of um, concentration camp survivors talking about how sometimes the people who had the most hope, who thought they were going to be home by Christmas in the case of prisoners of war, or who were convinced that they were going to be saved from Auschwitz the next week, that those are the ones who ended up giving up because they got so disappointed. And I think that that's been the part of all of this is that we keep seeing that end on the horizon and then it ends up not being an end. And we just feel so deflated. So I will say there, part of my coping mechanism is saying to myself, COVID sticking around and we have to find yeah. ways to live with it. Yeah. In parallel, there are other things that are sticking around and other things that are public health challenges and societal challenges and all of these different things. And I have gotten much better. You and I, I think, kind of formed a, a collaborative spirit and a friendship around a shared sense of optimistic pragmatism. I think you and I are the people that are like, we're upbeat. We're not yeah, naive. Right but we're upbeat. Mm -hmm. I have worked hard to give myself space to temper that, to just be like, this sucks. Um, And I don't see the clear road forward. Um, I can't be expected to see the clear road forward. And I need to be allowed to say, this just sucks. This is not what I wanted to be doing in my mid forties. It's not what I want for my kid or your kid or their schoolmates. This sucks. It does. I I think I've, actually done a fair amount of listening and reading of Brene Brown over the last two years. And I think of it as that, you know, vulnerability 
is part of being a great leader. And as healthcare providers, we lead a team um, or we lead a, as parents, we lead a family, maybe in partnership. Our spouses might disagree with who leads, but, you know, in theory. Uh, but but I do think that that vulnerability and honesty is important. And uh, toxic positivity can be just as toxic as the toxic negativity, which I think yeah. you and I both have spent so much of our career fighting against. I, I but, do but, still have optimism, right? I do still see hope and the potential for change. But I think, yes, it is a pragmatic optimism. I lean back on fundamentals of our republic, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's it's a muddy road, and the lighting is bad. But it's we're still on the road. Uh, we just have barriers that you know. I think when you and I were coming through our training, and you know, we're we're in that same generation. It just it it felt different growing up than what it is now. Um, do you? Where are the places where you feel like you're the strongest after all that you've been through personally and you've seen our profession go through? What are the things that you lean on that are like your personal kind of pillars of strength? My family, for sure. Yeah. Um, my kids, my husband, uh, my parents, my sister who lives across the ocean. But that is that is huge on a very personal level, actually kind of exercise and, and particularly nature runs or walks is a pillar of kind of what gives me strength. Uh, and then being an extrovert, um, it is the larger community. I, I got this lovely message last night from uh, someone that I know through emergency medicine who uh, saw me on CNN and said that he was coming off of a shift and had been feeling really down and saw me as he was kind of getting ready to leave the hospital and just that it gave him a shot in the arm. And that message both meant a lot to me and gave me strength and willingness to keep doing this, but also then engendered back and forth conversation. And it's those personal connections. It's honestly things like doing this podcast with you that give me strength. The last thing that I will say is that it is my research and my, my research team. Um, all the folks that I work with on science, give me that that gives me strength because I believe in it and I trust it. And it gives me again, that sense of pragmatic optimism. It takes a while. It's tough, but we're moving things forward. I, I love that answer because I, if I was to reflect the same thing to myself, it would be very, very similar exercise, spending time with my family, hanging out with my boy, watching him grow, you know, being with my parents and my sister, hoping to see some friends enjoying our our social media collaboratives and connections. I mean, there's real resonance there for sure. I am struck by both of us not saying one thing. Neither of us would say clinical medicine. I wouldn't. Uh, that's interesting. I, it's not restorative for me. It's not one of those things that's right now is bringing me joy. Um, I'm sad about that because five years ago, I was rip roaring. Um, but I wouldn't say it right now. And I I don't mean to call you out, but I just noticed that you didn't either. And um, we're in a place around our work. So I think it's a really great observation. I don't think that it gives me strength right now, for sure. It is an exhausting enterprise. Yeah. yeah. And I watch everyone just at the end of their rope, whether it's my patients, the nurses I work with, the techs, the security guards. Everyone. Uh, but, everyone. But. Yeah. It may not be a source of my strength, but it is certainly something that grounds me. It's interesting, Mark. Okay. I'm, I just took on a new deputy dean position at the School of Public Health, and I don't cool. have to work clinically. 
you know, in this position. Interesting. Oh, wow. But I am choosing to. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to maintain my shifts in, in the emergency department. Yeah, yeah. I was before because it is part of what makes me who I am. It's part of what keeps me yeah. honest and connected. Yeah. And it's part yeah. of my identity. So even though it doesn't necessarily give me great joy at this moment, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I do think it's part of who I am. So I, first of all, delighted to know that you are now at a dean's level uh and onward and upward for you if you want that because we need you for sure um i think the choice you've made around staying present on the clinical side is mission critical you'll be a better dean for it your career in that really high level leadership right you're 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 the the dean that everyone knows and connects with and understands right that's leading from the front so that's all of the qualities that we all admire about you. And, and I'm delighted. So then that begs the question in the midst of all of this, with all of the different things that have changed for you in your career, now you're a Dean, you're a full professor. Thank goodness. You're really one of the most important voices on m- multiple media channels that we have. Are you fulfilling goals? Are you like trying to, I'm way past goals. Now I got to reset. Like, what are you even doing in terms of if, thinking about all that's happened for you? Because it's extraordinary. Thank you. I, I think the last two years have been a whirlwind for all of us. And yeah. so many of us have branched out into directions that we never would have predicted yeah. in December of 2019. Right. right, um, right. All of our worlds have changed, um, both for the better and for the worse. Uh, I, I have spent some time you know, over the past few months trying to think about how this fits into my career arc, but I don't think it changes any of the long-term goals, right? My, my motivate, and we talked about this last time I was on my motivation for going into medicine uh, and into public health and for staying in academia has always been um, a belief that we can improve both on the individual and population level health and we can improve health in the widest version of what health consists of, that it's physical, but it's also social and emotional. Um, It's about all those things that make us feel strong and healthy. And it's why I love emergency medicine. Um, It's why I love being a public health researcher. And it's why I love this communication role is because it's another ad hoc extension of the ability to help people have self-efficacy around what to do to be healthy. And so I don't know where things will go. Again, it's certainly good to have goals, but the world changes quickly. But I think that one of the things that I'm totally committed to is similar to you, um, being a beacon of both hope, but also truth about how we communicate and deliver health and health care to our society. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, when folks who know me would say that that's what I do, that's what I hope to continue to do in whatever way I am provided the opportunity to do so. You know what I love about that is that not a word of what you just said sounds in any way pre-prepared. And that is <laughs> immensely satisfying because then you know that this is the authentic Dr. Randy that we want to hear from. So that's awesome because it's you- easy 
You did not send me a list of questions ahead <laughs> no. of time. I'm totally talking off the cuff here. I don't write questions ahead of time. I don't have any questions. This is you've. This is your third or fourth go around. I mean, you got to come on the show ready to be agile because it's going to go where it wants to go. But I think that that's what's important. And I think, quite honestly, when I see you on television or I read you in Time Magazine, I always get the sense that you are writing of the moment in in a voice that is yours as opposed to rigorous preparation anticipating questions and then wedging a canned response into a question there's a difference there and we can tell um when you watch a political debate you can tell when they're wedging the the punchline into any question versus just answering and you're really good at that whether you have been consciously doing it or whether it's just who you are when you're behind the mic or in front of the camera or whatever it is it's a really powerful skill not everyone does it are you consciously are you conscious of the way that you do this not at all so i'm actually listening to you and looking wow that's really thoughtful and nice thank (laughs) you you're welcome (laughs) thank you that really truly that means a lot yeah I, I think um, it's funny. I, I think it is, as you say it, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, it's a skill probably that I've developed like you at the bedside, mm-hmm. right? Part of being a good clinician is knowing how to connect with people okay. and extemporaneously manage whatever questions they throw your way, manage their expectations, manage their frustrations, and you need to have, it's what I always tell my trainees, right? You need to have the grounding of knowledge, right? So you can't do this effectively if you haven't spent time studying and learning and practicing, if you haven't developed expertise as a baseline. So that's that's the ground floor. But then you, you learn how to be extemporaneous on top of that baseline knowledge that when a patient says, you know, why do I have to get this LP or... Um, but didn't, you know, doctor, I had an allergy to Benadryl back in the, you know, or, or can you call my estranged husband and explain this to him, right? We deal with so many things, the kid that comes in with a cockroach in their ear and how to explain it without freaking (laughs) freaking them out. Right. It's, it's that it's, you need to know how to handle it or where to go to get the knowledge. And then you've got to know how to relate to people to get them on board. Um, so, so then here's, here's a, here's the like critical next step, because I will be honest when I see you on TV and I see many others who we are now kind of used to seeing on these major platforms and it's great. I, I also carry that thought of, we need like 500 more. We need like a thousand more. It cannot just be the Megan Ranney on CNN show. Please God. The next- no. <laughs> So then what you just described is a toolbox that we're learning. We have to then help people understand this is how you use that toolbox when you're communicating with the public, because we didn't for, I mean, I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't part of anything that we did when I was in training or beyond. Like to me, that is like mission critical stuff for 2022 and beyond. I mean, we need legions of people who are comfortable and interested in getting in front of a camera or behind the mic. It cannot just be you. Um, for, for, for a variety of reasons, do you have kind of syncopated ways that you help medical students, residents, other faculty who I would imagine they've asked, like, how do I do this? Is there a curriculum to translate what we learn to be a good, competent physician at the bedside to what you just said? 
building the same confidence with an audience? It is a wonderful, wonderful question. And I'll say, I think not only were we not top mark, I feel like we were actively dissuaded going back to the years of, yeah, question. Yeah. I I do feel that this current generation of med students and public health students is different. Um, I talk to far more folks who are in training right now than I do people of our generation. Um, So, so I think it is kind of in their lifeblood and social media is part of that. They're used to being on display and communicating with the wider world. Um, And in many ways I can learn a lot from all of them. I, I will also triple down on what you said. It's, I'm happy to keep going on media, and but the world is better if there are more of us out there. The more diversity of voices and experiences um, that are speaking uh, with the public, the better. In terms of courses, so it's actually something that um, Ashisha, the dean at the School of Public Health, who I'm working under, and I have been spending a lot of time talking about is, uh, you know, how do we create the health and public health workforce that the next quarter century needs. Um, And we're going to be launching soon, um, both an online only MPH and an MPH program specifically for people with doctoral degrees, both of which are going to include new courses on communication. They're not out yet, but it's, it's essential and we got to do it in a structured way. And then we've got to create stuff for people. I nominate you, Mark, to create some courses too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, That'd the world be is better. And there's That'd a lot fun. of, right? It would be, you'd be amazing. Yeah, and there are fun. a lot of folks that are, um, you know, still in training or a year yeah. out who'd be terrific yeah. to be part of it too. And the more, the better. I will put in a plug here actually for the op-ed project, which I have not participated in, but which I've heard amazing things about, um, which is dedicated to teaching folks to, to write op-eds. So okay. take a look at that. Absolutely. We'll have a link in the show notes without a doubt. We're going to move into a new year. There will be all of the usual top tens, best ofs, resolutions for next year. Does does that resonate the same way that it did five years ago or no? God, I can't even remember what happened this year versus last year versus the year before. I, I, Me neither. I know. Right? Yeah. Someone said, oh, yeah. didn't I talk to you a month ago? And I'm like, was it a month ago or was it in I March? I know. You know? I, 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 my biggest points of reference in terms of time, this is going to sound completely silly, are really around like the premiere of and the concluding episodes of Ted Lasso. Oh, like those. Those dates and times stick because there was so much like energy. You know, we were talking about the communities that we built. When there's a Ted Lasso episode, I get so many text messages from my friends. And on social media, we're all hashtag Med Lasso, like getting after it. I, I remember those points of time so clearly with respect to kind of our world. What was I doing then? It's weird how that stuck out for me. Um, I didn't expect it. But yeah, those those points in time kind of in this professional COVID world really stand out. Everything else is a complete blur. Everything else is really bad watercolor. I <laughs> like bad watercolor indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think back to last year, I, I remember I actually tweeted out while I was watching the ball drop and it was Anderson Cooper and a comedian who I didn't know. Cause I don't, I was asleep. Yeah, Andy. I, uh, I forget. Anyways. I was like, oh, I mean, I was crying when the ball dropped. I was like, thank God, 2020 yeah, yeah. is over. Here comes right. the new year. We've got vaccines. Yeah, My husband will get vaccinated. My kids will get vaccinated. We've got, you know, the election I thought was settled. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, oh, heady days. Little did, day. I, know. Little yeah, did yeah. I know, right? But um, 
And I feel like, again, it's that thing that we started by talking about. It was that total optimism that here we were and then yeah. just such yeah. disappointment. And so yeah. I don't really know about setting resolutions this year other than taking care of myself and my family and trying yeah. to do a little bit of good. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to send any grand, not going to be setting any grand travel plans or plans for big new grants to go in. I'll do my darndest, but I feel like yeah. if we make it through to the end of 2022 yeah. intact, it's kind of the best I can ask for right now. My, for all my whole family's approach with all of this stuff, like with wildfires and COVID and everything, like the first priority is we're, every decision we do is just based on our own, is just on the safety. Is everyone safe? Everyone squared away? All right, cool. Now what's next? Um, and I think that this year will just, this coming year will be more of the same. One of the places where I have cognitive dissonance, and I'm curious about your thoughts, because I've seen that you've tweeted about this, and I would imagine you've commented on it, is we, we know that a lot of our colleagues, physicians, nurses, pharmacists, healthcare professionals writ large, really, I mean, much, much thought about people wanting to leave the profession, whichever mm. one they're in. Are you in a place of wanting to encourage them all to stay? Are you in a place of encouraging them to move on? Are you in a place of supporting their journey? How how are you? Because again, one of the things I haven't heard you say is that you want to not be a doctor anymore. I'm also the same. I don't, I, I still want to be a doctor. I still want to be a hospitalist. You're going to be one of those people that people will send you a text or a DM, Megan, I'm out, I'm done. How are you going to help them step through that? I think of it in a few ways. The first is my goal always with my friends, with my mentees, with my colleagues is to help them identify and realize their ambitions mm. as best I can, whatever role, you know, sometimes I can pay a, play a big role. Sometimes it's about connecting them to other people. And so the first thing when I get those and I've gotten those, and I'm sure you have too. That's uh, why I just, ask for sure. Yeah. It's, it's listening. Yeah. So step yeah. one is listening. Like, why are you out? Why? What is yep, it? Yep, 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 is it yep. just that you can't take another shift with 60 patients in the waiting room? which is legitimate. And then yeah. if that's what it is, maybe you really just need a couple of weeks off and we need to, yep. you need, we need to find a way for you to get a break or yep. is it that your priorities have shifted and you really see this new path forward and getting out of medicine is clinical medicine is going to help you realize something or maybe for your mental, right. There, there's a huge variety of different reasons that people say they're out. And so I feel like step one is identifying what it is. I think the next thing is working to destigmatize treatment, mental health treatment and not just destigmatize, but also increase access to treatment for all of us. Um, there are some terrific studies going on across the country looking at how best to support healthcare workers. Um, and, and those are just are so unbelievably important right now. I saw a study out uh, just yesterday um, from some colleagues in emergency medicine um, published, I believe in General, journal of general internal medicine, but I could be wrong. And I'll send you the links. You can put it in the show notes. But it was a survey of about 500 healthcare providers from emergency departments that was conducted last fall and, and winter of 2021. And it found that 75% of us um, across multiple different, um, you know, so it was physicians, EMTs, nurses, 75% of us met um, criteria for depression, 38% met criteria for PTSD symptoms, there's just this tremendous mental health burden and, and sense of moral injury and burnout. And I think getting treatment is critical. And then the third thing is that I am so committed to changing the system because we can all do yoga and take Zoloft <laughs> and get a massage, all of which are great and important things. 
But at the end of the day, we got to change the system because otherwise it's just, you know, putting band-aids on. So, so that's, I don't know, that's how I approach it. And sometimes I find that it's about empowering people to take those steps towards creating change that helps people stay in the profession. And I know for you doing this podcast, right, is part of what keeps you able to keep going back. Very much so. Um, yeah. And, and one of the, again, hearing the things that you did not say, and you referenced this earlier, I did not hear you say the the things that you and I would both recognize as toxic positivity. No, you can do it. Oh, but you're so great. Wow, we really need you. You know, think of none of that stuff. That that stuff is it's it's old, it's outdated, it's ineffective, it's super passive aggressive. Um, and I I'm, I think it's great that that's not the first three things that you would reach for. And I think all of us can learn from that because it's not helpful. Uh, I do think though. I really honestly think uh, that again, right from the place of opto- of uh, being a pragmatic optimist, I, I worry that what people expect of American healthcare and what they're used to in 24 to 36 months is not going to be there. And there's going to need to be a major recalibrating of expectations of care delivery in the acute care setting. 24 to 36 months, Mark, I think you're right. being <laughs> optimistic for when it's not going to be there. I would say yeah, are we in there? two weeks, it's yeah. not, yeah. Or, or here in Rhode Island, it's already, I mean, we canceled elective surgeries again, which PS, again. right? I hate the word elective, but like non-emergent. I go with, I go with um, time sensitive, non-emergent. I like because I don't I don't like the term elective either. It, it it carries a negative connotation, almost like a pejorative, right? People think of you know truly elective, out of pocket cosmetics or mm-hmm. things of that nature. We're talking about cancer resections. We're talking about cabbage. We're talking about going to the cath lab. We're not talking about things that are quote unquote elective. They are time sensitive, non emergent. Right. They're urgent. They're urgent, anyway. and they're going to end up in my ear if they're not done. So well, they're going to die at yeah. home. Yeah. But yeah, so so we yeah. we're we're already back there here in Rhode yeah. Island. So it's wild. It's really, really wild. But and it's I also all COVID. Like this is the thing. Our COVID hospitalizations are actually half the level they were last year at this time. But A, we have no pop-up fails. There's right. no field hospitals. There's no help coming in from outside. And then B, we're so overwhelmed with all the stuff that was delayed for the last two years. Totally. Totally. So. It's it's really difficult. Oh. It, we're going to be in that space of just trying to unspool it and then dealing with all of the frustration. And so I think that you and I will probably experience more of those texts and more of those like, Hey, I want to leave. I mean, I wouldn't ever discount any of the people that you and I follow, including you and me someday being like, for right now, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And that would have to, that'd be okay. Right. I mean, we're in the teeth of this thing and you know, people can only take so much. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be me. I don't think it would be you, but it would also be okay if it was. And I love that. I, I just, kudos to you for giving people that grace. Because I do think that part of it is a sense of tremendous guilt. Yeah. Right? And and, and so saying, you're still a good person. You're still a good doctor. If you need to step away from clinical medicine for a yeah. bit or even forever. What I have had the opportunity to learn and then tell people back is, we get one shot at this. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not a platitude, right? I don't do those. We really, this is it, right? Um, whatever your belief system is, you're here and now, this is it. And so you'll want to look back whenever that boulder lands from lands on you from out of the sky and it's over. 
to be able to have a moment to look back and say, I did this the way that felt the most right to me. And I, I tried to be conscious of those things. This is part of it. I mean, this profession as great and as noble as it is. If there are other things that need to supersede it, this is your shot, man. And, and we all have the right of self-empowerment. Um, I say that to patients and their families all the time. And not only that, but I've watched friends and colleagues take, again, this skill set that we've learned, take their frustrations with the existing system and turn it into amazing things. Totally. And sometimes if you don't allow yourself that space, you don't even know what could be possible. That's right. That's right. Oh, I love that. That makes me feel good about it because then you say, you're not going to go live in a hole and pull a tarp over your head. You're a part of this grand society, right? You're a part of this republic. You're a part of all of our shared life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So go forth into 2022 or whatever artificial artifice of demarcation we want to give it. As as Hamilton would say, right? Don't you're not giving away your shot. That's right. That's right. That's right. Medicine is part of the shot, but there are there are a variety of different ways to take it. Uh, talking with you is the best. We could go on and on, but I think that's a really wonderful way to to bring this to a close. Megan, as we go forward, how do people find you? How do they learn from you? How do they engage with you? Thank you. Uh, best place where I am most frequently is on Twitter at Megan Ranny. M-E-G-A-N-R-A-N-N-E-Y. I love engaging with folks on there. I'm also on Instagram at Meg Ranny. Um, And then find me at Brown. Come join us here. We're an awesome community and always looking for great new people to be part of our world. I need to come out to Brown. I've never been. I got to get out there. I know. I know. It'll be super fun. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. It'll be soon. Mm -hmm. Someday. (laughs) What a treat, Megan. Oh, I'm going to travel. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Totally. What a treat. Thank you so much, Megan. Vice versa, Mark. Happy holidays. My thanks once again to Megan for joining us on this episode of Explore the Space. Just a treat to have her on. She's just fantastic. I hope you really enjoyed listening to her. Thank you also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. Thanks all of you so much for listening. Appreciate your support. I hope you enjoyed hearing Megan as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. We will be back soon with more great content. Until then, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.